0: Take what you want and leave the rest at the curb for the trash man to pick up. Okay, everybody, today I'm going to start out a little bit different. We're going to present to you a call that we received from Spain, from Fernando. Listen up.
1: Hi, uh, my name is Fernando. I'm an alcoholic. Uh, Thank you very much for your application it's really helping me to go through the day. I listen to it early in the morning, and it's a blessing. My base group is um, far away from here, so it's a bit uh, brilliant way for me to start the morning. It's my meeting in between meetings, and my meetings are quite uh, not the same as uh, they used to be. But thank you very much. I appreciate it. My uh, warm and kindest regard from, from Spain. Thank you very much. Keep well. Bye.
0: Thank you so much for calling in and leaving that message, Fernando. Warmest regards to you as well in Spain from across the pond in America. Uh, Don't know if uh, the listeners caught all of that, but he said his base group, which would be our home group here in the United States, is very far away from his home now because he had to move, and um, we're so glad that Sober Speak can be a small portion of... Uh, supplement, if you will, of your recovery. And uh, we're glad to have you as part of the community. So uh, you too can leave a message. uh, If you would like to uh, go to the contact us tab at SoberSpeak.com. There is a little microphone icon, and we would absolutely love to hear from you. This episode today, this Particular episode that you are listening to right now is brought to you by Deborah and Don C. Deborah and Don C went to our website, soberspeak.com clicked on the Donate tab, and made a contribution. Thank you so much for your generous contribution. As we are listener-supported, this episode is for you, Deborah and Don C. So just a couple of quick program notes again. Don't forget, we are on Twitter now. The handle is Sober underscore Speak. Uh, You can also hear us, if you would like to, on YouTube, uh, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Radio, and you can even cue us up on Alexa. Just say, Alexa, play Sober Speak podcast. But that's enough of that. Let's go into this episode right now. So what you're going to be hearing, who you're going to be hearing from next is Mr. Eric B. Just in case you didn't catch Eric's original recording on Sober Speak, he is on, and you can go back and look this one up, Episode number 16, and episode number 16 is called Doctor, Alcoholic, and Candy Addict. And to make a long story short, um, my wife was out walking one day listening to Eric's um, episode, episode number 16, and she came back into the house and she was absolutely... um, Taken away by Mister Eric's episode and his description of alcoholism and so many other things that he had to say on that uh, episode number sixteen. So, um, and I've heard uh, and I've heard Mister Eric share in meetings before, and he had created and I knew this. In fact, we talked about it on his last episode, but we never got into it. He had created a Cliff Notes version. Of the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous, which he used for himself to kind of simplify things in the beginning uh, and still uses them. And so I wanted to get him back on the program and talk about those Cliff Notes version of the twelve steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. So here we go with Eric. You're going to hear me start out by I'm asking him a little bit about his uh, his background, his medical his medical degree, and his business background, and then we'll take it from there. Enjoy, Eric.
1: That, that's right. I am a uh, I'm a general internist, and I um I also um am somewhat of a, an entrepreneur. I started a business as well. And, um, in doing so, uh, I have done a lot of sales. So I'm like a physician who like does sales, right. Which is like, I'm like guaranteed to be an alcoholic, right. If you read all the stories in the big book, it's like physicians and salespeople. So <laughs> yeah. And my, um, you know, maybe it's uh, sleep deprivation or the alcoholic brain, but I just had the hardest time like remembering the 12 steps. So people would refer to various steps in the meeting and be like, oh, step four, step seven, step 11. And I'm like, whoa, I don't even, I'd be like trying to follow along with like the, the sign on the wall. And I, I, I couldn't keep up with which step they were talking about. So my Cliff's Notes version is one, I am broken. Two, have an open mind. Three, trust in God. Four, list your faults. 5. Confess your faults. 6. Have God remove your faults. 7. Through humility. 8. List those you've hurt. 9. Fix it when possible. 10. Do it again and again and again. 11. Not my will, but God's will be done. 12 pass it
0: on Okay that's fantastic so I, I was writing but I couldn't keep up uh, as quickly as I wanted and by the way if you send me a uh, uh, just a, a, a written version of those particular steps I will put them in the show notes for this particular show so people can go back and review them if they would like to do that um, So let me go ahead and start with the first one and the first one was, Trust. I'm, bro- yeah, I'm broken again. So the second one, Justin got. I'm, I'm broke. So, what does that mean? And talk a little, And by the way, let's go ahead and correlate it to the quote real steps, so to speak.
1: Yeah, and I've got my twelve and twelve in front of me, so I've got the the actual steps here too. So, step one is we admitted we were powerless over alcohol and that our lives had become unmanageable. So, the Cliff's Notes version is I'm broken. Yeah. So um, the. By the way, uh, John, I have I, because even then I couldn't even remember all. You know, I, I try to remember all twelve of my Cliff's Notes version, and I have a hard time with that. So I've shortened it even more to two. <laughs> so, so basically, in my mind, I can summarize steps one through eleven with be humble. And then step 12 is pass it on. So I'm broken. Be humble. I mean, there is no way that anyone is going to be open to the behavior change and the mental change and the spiritual change necessary until they admit to themselves that they are broken and that they have a problem. And I, you know, it's like, you know, I've got three kids and it's like, if my kids think they already know something, like they are not going to be open to my quote unquote suggestion to them. <laughs> so it's only, I have to like very calmly and politely like persuade them or show them that they actually don't already know the answer. <laughs> and so there's somewhere is either in the big book or the 12 and 12, where it's like, listen, at the end of the day, all of us alcoholics, we really just need to grow up. And, you know, there's another name for adults and they're called large children. And I certainly was a, just a large, you know, middle-aged child um, because I was broken and I didn't think I was broken. And that, you know, go, now specifically, it says we're powerless over alcohol and that our lives have become unmanageable. Now, I think it's a, it's a, it's a you know, I'm I'm about two years in to my sobriety. And that's a really big pill to swallow that you're like broken in a lot of ways. So I think it's it's very correct that step one says that we're powerless over alcohol, we're broken about alcohol. And I would say that in the beginning, I was like, okay, I'm broken as it relates to alcohol, but I was not yet ready to admit my brokenness in so many other areas. And I would say that it's really been over the past couple of years that I have been learning to be more and more humble to really see, you know, I like the layers of an onion to really see the multifaceted degree of my brokenness. So, um, you know, when in doubt, when I'm faced in a, in a situation, you know, I kind of say to myself, okay, you know, how am I broken about this? Because chances are I probably am absolutely it's the um it and it it points to this so many places in the 12 and 12 in the big book too where it says it's our natural instincts gone awry and i think it is just our natural instincts to always look at other people's brokenness and not our own and it's just gotten totally out of whack, right? It's not that you should never look at somebody else's brokenness. I mean, obviously there's situations that are, you know, like physically abusive or criminal or, you know, whatever. But at the same time, you can just overdo it, which I totally did, which most alcoholics do. Uh, I was overdoing it in terms of pointing the finger at other people and their brokenness and not looking at my own. And so it's really a matter of turning it around, which really opens the door. You know, all these steps, I mean, obviously, uh, Bill and Dr. Bob are super smart. All these steps really lead into the next one, and they have to be done in order because until you admit to your brokenness, You're never even going to begin to have an open mind. And then I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit, but there's until you have an open mind, you're never going to be like, this is a spiritual solution, which is what step three is. Because you're like, dude, I just want to drink. I'm not, I had, I've had bad experiences with religion. And, you know, David, one of the members of our group, you know, says this very emphatically. And even after a year of sobriety, I was like, Really, I mean, you—you you know, really feel that way? He's like, look, this is a spiritual solution. Spiritual. This is uh, unless you get that, you're probably going to go back out and drink. This is a spiritual solution, which you know a lot of people don't hit you between the eyes like that. And it reminds me, frankly, one of my favorite stories, John, that I actually just recently read in the Twelve and Twelve is in the Twelve Traditions part. And I actually had only read the 12 steps because I'm like, I don't, you know, I'm new at this. I don't really, I'm not into the whole like group thing yet. That's a little advanced. And, but we had a a new meeting where Don talked about a tradition. And I'm like, oh, okay, that's pretty interesting. It was a really good meeting. I'm like, maybe I should read the 12 traditions. And there's a story in the 12 traditions about the guy who's not an agnostic. He's a sworn atheist. And he's like, listen, you got, and it was early in the days of AA. He's like, look, you guys, I'm totally into what you do. Like, I totally get it. You've totally helped me out, but guess what? This God thing is for the birds. And you know, you're weak for having this whole faith religious thing. And the, the story is so funny because, and I think, it, I think it's told by, uh, by Bill and he's like, and all of us are like, we were actually hoping he would go back out and drink. they were were actually hoping for his demise (laughs) and like it went on like this for years and he still was sober and he still didn't believe in God (laughs) so I'm like what gives with this guy and so finally he comes in and he they're like and he looks like totally like you know out of it and they're like oh man he's totally gone back out he's totally gotten drunk and he realizes that he really screwed up with this faith thing and, uh, the punchline of the story is, is that he had not gone out and drunk, but, and this is like multiple years, maybe even a decade later, but he found God. And so really the, you know, the fact that, and there's a lot of people in AA that are like that, right. They aren't really into the whole God thing and the spirituality thing. And that's okay. Like, because eventually they will. And, um, so anyway, there's no way you're going to be open to that. Until you admit that you're broken and that you actually have an open mind about things, which Yeah, so let's
0: talk a little bit about step two. And you know, there are people listening to this who, you know, you always hear about, oh no, the God thing, so to speak. So uh and as you know, you don't have to believe in God in order to come to AA, you know, or uh, you could be an atheist, you could be agnostic, you could be anything you want, but uh, uh, it's a little bit of a challenging subject, but how do you bridge that gap, so to speak, between the God thing for those who have neatly evaded it up to this point, if you will, and uh, uh, successfully working their way through the steps? And that's a little bit of a different, difficult question. But just your experience with it, and did you come in an atheist or agnostic?
1: Yeah. So that's, that's a really good question because I would say that my, so I'm, I'm a, I'm a Christian, but I would say that my version of Christianity was as close to us to atheism as possible. And what do I mean by that? There is a, a sort of, I don't want to call it a school, but there's a type of belief that's called deism. And that is that yes, we believe in God. Yes. We believe there is a creator of the universe but that, that, that God kind of you know, caused the Big Bang, set everything in motion, gave us free will. And then after that, he was kind of hands off. And this is, to go along with my delusions of grandeur, this um, thought of deism is what actually the majority of founding fathers in America believed. So George Washington and Thomas Jefferson, they were all de- James Madison, they are all deists. So they believed in God, but they also believed, it was this was the age of the en- Enlightenment, right? So they believed in, you know, free will and science and the ability of people to use their intellect to overcome challenges and solve problems, et cetera, et cetera. So that really was my, you know, and I didn't describe myself as a deist, but if you actually, you know, if I actually thought about it, like that's what I was. And so, when I thought about like God, like literally God's will being communicated to me on a daily or an hourly or a weekly basis, and trying to attune myself to God's will and how me exercising my own will was actually the origin of many of my problems, like I did not have an open mind to that. And all step two is saying is, listen, we're not saying you're wrong. But let's just look at some other ways of viewing this situation. Okay, let's just look at it. You don't have to go, you know, whole hog into it, but just let's just look at it. Let's, you know, it's like pause, pause. Like that's all. Step two is to me. It's like pause, and I and I think that's totally. I think that is perfectly placed
0: between one and three. So very well put. Um, okay, so. Like you said, it's just a matter of uh, opening the door. Let's take a look at it from another direction. Maybe leave some of your prejudice behind that you have uh, developed over the years. And let's look at this in another way. Um, all right. So then we go to step three. And step
1: three for you is... Trust in God. So step three is made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. And... The so, so that that is as I mentioned, that AA is a spiritual solution, and especially the early folks in AA they used God, but you can say higher power, and this is where people talk about like the group being the higher power, and that's that's totally fine, you know, God as you understand them to be, and there's a whole bunch of ways of looking at it. And there's a story again, I think it's in the 12 and 12, which is an awesome story. It's like, look. Let's pretend that AA was created in Japan. And they said you have to believe in Buddha in order for you to be cured of your alcoholism. And let's say a Japanese person came to America and said that. We'd be like, that's kind of weird, right? And so, you know, vice versa. If you took, you know, a Judeo-Christian, whatever, you know, version of you know God and brought that to Japan, they'd be like, what gives? So you don't have to do that. You don't have to do that um and but it is a spiritual solution and it's like okay and, and because i you know because i believed in you know believed and you know believe in god believe in a, a spiritual aspect to every single person and like I, I'm, I'm okay with that so immediately upon step three in my mind i said to myself okay great it's a spiritual solution what the heck does that mean like What do I do? Okay, great. Get it. God's involved. How is God involved? And guess what happens? You get step four. (laughs) It's perfectly lined up. And your version of step four once again is. So step four is list your faults. I actually said list your sins, but list your faults. So step four is made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. And so it's like, Oh, now it's about to get real i feel like aa like it it like starts to get real in step 4 because it starts you have to start doing things that are uncomfortable okay and so again in you know our instincts are to not do things that are uncomfortable if you're cold you put on a coat if you're hot you take off your coat you know your instincts are to try to make yourself as comfortable as possible And so now we're saying, hey, buddy, or hey, ma'am, you need to to really begin to humble yourself and write down, right? Not just say it, but actually write down your faults and your sins, okay? Which begins this super huge process of addressing denial and delusion and self-justification. Because alcoholics are different in many ways, but one of the ways in which we are almost similar is we are incredibly good at fooling ourselves, and I certainly was very good at fooling myself, and I still am. You know, another f- a fun story is is one of the longtime long timers in our group is uh, Renee, and. Renee, you know, was sharing, she said, you know, and I, you know, and I keep forgetting, she's like, on 10 plus years of sobriety. She's like, and I keep forgetting this stuff. So that's why I got to keep coming back. And I told her the next time I saw, her, I'm like, I'm so glad you said that because I keep forgetting all this stuff too. And I thought something was wrong with me because I forget it and I have to keep coming back to her. And she's like, no, I forget it all the time. I'm like, oh man. So everybody forgets it. So I was just forgetting it like crazy. So he'd come back. Okay. So fine. You, know, you list all this stuff out, and you're like, okay, so I got this piece of paper. I got this list. Now what do I do? And it's like, that's just the beginning of showing some humility. Now you got to take the next step of discomfort. And the next step, step of dis- discomfort of fine is confess your faults. Okay, so step five is admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being, the exact, exact nature of our wrongs. And the 12 and 12 is wonderful about this. It's like, well, can't I just talk directly to God? So I am, you know, I'm, I'm Protestant. And um, so that's like the whole thing, right? Is that, that, the, that the individual can just talk directly to God. And I'm like, dude, I was, I was taught growing up, I can just talk directly to God, right? And the 12 and 12 is like, listen, even people that are very spiritually advanced, say that it's really good to like talk to another person because frankly if you talk to another person it's embarrassing <laughs> and, like and like being embarrassed is good like you need to feel embarrassed like it needs to be hard you have to swallow some humble pie okay so like confessing in theory and confessing in the quiet of your room to god is one thing but confessing to another person is something very different and and like intellectually I, w- I said to myself, no, it's, it's not that different. Like, I can, I can do it. But, like, literally to get the words out of my mouth was hard. Like, it felt bad. And in fact, I did some more uh, fifth step work with my sponsor just on Friday. Was that yesterday? And guess what? And, like, he's been my sponsor for two years. He's great. I, I know he's not judgmental. He even said that to me. He's like, I'm not going to judge you. It was still really hard for me to do. I mean, my pride and my ego just weld right up again, and that's and and what's helpful is is that's when I knew I was doing the right thing. When it's hard, I'm like aha, I know I'm working the, the steps right. When it makes me uncomfortable, if I'm working the twelve steps comfortably, I'm probably not doing it for real. So I was like keeping it real on Friday, and guess what? Like afterwards, I did feel, we prayed together and I did feel, I felt much better, man. And then like the, um, well, I'll get to it later on when we talk about nine and 10, but you know, I've done that to other people too. And every time I do it, man, I feel like a freaking idiot. I feel so stupid and a little And you know, and that's after two years. I figure, okay, well, after two years, I got it, right? Like, I can do this. I can just, you know, admit that I'm stupid and wrong, and blah, blah, blah. But every time I do it, it's hard. So I obviously still have a lot of work to do. So you got to confess your sins because that is, again, it's like, you, step one, you think you're humble? Not really. Step two, be humble. Step three, be humble. Step four, be humble. Step five, no, 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 no. You really got to be humble. Okay. So that gets us to step five yeah so six is okay so fine at that point you know so there's two types of the the it's either again it's either the 12 12 steps of the 12 tradition says that that in general alcoholics can go either into two camps they either go into the depressives the people who are just filled with guilt or they are they're they're the the grandiose prideful arrogant sobs Okay. And it's, and, and in our, in our group, like I, I, you know, people can you know admit to that. They're like, yeah, I was really depressed. I always felt guilty about all this stuff. And like, I was not like that. Like I was the arrogant SOB and like, and my sponsor is super helpful. He's like, dude, I was totally the arrogant SOB. That's like exactly the type. And like, the, he's like the depressive people. I can't relate to them, but like, he's like, he, I mean, that's why he's been such a great sponsor for me. And so, so I'm like, okay, great. I got this list sitting in front of me and like, I, I I get it. Okay, I, I'm an idiot. Okay, I get it. Like, I've really screwed up in a lot of ways. Like, what are we going to do about this? And what we're going to do about this is where then step three comes back. And it says, hey, this is a spiritual solution. God's going to remove these faults. Okay, and this is where, the you know, my, I tried for multiple years to quit drinking on my own. And I'm like, look, I got willpower in so many other areas. I can work 36 hours straight. I can only, I can work 28 out of 30 days in a month. I mean, I have willpower beyond belief. I had a second child that had colic and I was, I slept with him on my chest every night for two months. I walked back and forth with him almost every night for two years. I'm like, I have willpower. I can do this. Guess what? I do not have willpower over alcohol. I do not. And I was dumbfounded for multiple years as to why it is that I did not have willpower over alcohol, but I had all this other willpower in other areas of my life. And guess what? It says that exact same thing in the big book in the 12 and 12. It says alcoholics tend to have a lot of willpower in other areas of their lives, but they don't have willpower over alcohol. And I'm like, oh, okay. So I'm just like everybody else who's an alcoholic. Okay. Makes sense. All right. So great. So this is a spiritual solution. So six is, in the official wording for big, uh, for big step six, is we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character, right? So have God remove your faults, okay? This is, and even on Friday, right? So when I prayed together with my sponsor, we said, you know, God, please help remove this fault from Eric. Like, this is not me and my willpower. And like, to me, that's really where you got to take a leap of faith. And that's where step two kicks in. You got to be open-minded. Oh, you know, but that doesn't make any sense. That's right. It doesn't make any sense. And guess what? There's a lot of things in this world that don't make sense to you that are correct and that work. What? There's a lot of things in this world that are correct and right and don't make sense to you. Oh, okay. Like... And you can apply that to your life directly as it relates to your alcoholism, right? I mean, at the end of the day, the percentage of people that actually know how electricity works to turn your lights on, it's actually very low. Like, how do electrons actually flow through these wires, you know, get from like the power plant and the spinning thing with the magnets, you know, and you flip the switch and the light comes on. Like, I, I don't know how that works, but it does. And that exact same analogy is, is used in the A literature as well. So I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm plugging into that. Again, that's from the A.A. literature. Plug into that source. You know, don't get caught up. Yeah, you don't understand it. You know, congratulations. Almost nobody else does it either, right? So, right. So, okay. So, anyway, and then step seven finally says step seven in the book is um, humbly ask him to remove our shortcomings. And this is where the twelve and twelve is just awesome, right? Because step six and seven are really short in the big book, but in the twelve and twelve, they get into a, into a lot of detail. And so, step seven is all about humility. So here we have steps one through six, be humble, be humble, be humble, be humble, be humble, be humble. humble. And then step seven says, be humble. Okay, what does humility mean? What does it mean? And this is where a lot of people have been like, well, I don't really know what humility means. And this is where it gives you a, gives you a definition of humility. And in fact, it gives you, um, it basically says, look, Humility is just that you are not God. (laughs) You are not perfect. Like people get it confused with humiliating because it sounds similar, but it's totally different. Okay. Being humble means you are not the master of the universe. You are not in control. You are not God. But guess what? As soon as you realize that you are not God, that's when you can start working to make yourself better. Again, with my kids, my son, who's eight, thinks he's awesome at tennis. He is not awesome at tennis. There is no way that I can teach him to be better at tennis when he already thinks he is awesome at tennis. And so, if I'm sitting here thinking that I have all this willpower and all this control, and I would never use the words like "I'm God," but I certainly was acting like it, then how in the world am I, am I going to be open to the instruction of the higher power or the force or the universe or nature to improve myself? And so um that's where and, and again, how do I know? Because for me, the prideful, arrogant alcoholic, how do I know that I am humble or I'm acting humble? It's uncomfortable. So anytime I think I'm being humble and it doesn't make me uncomfortable, I'm probably not really being humble. How do I know that? Because for like my entire lifetime, I used to be like, oh, I'm, I'm an incredibly humble person. I would brag about my humility, right? So that is where like, Dude, you are not humble. You think you are humble. You do not even know the first of it. And you're like, okay. So, you know, six and seven, it's like, okay, spiritual. Okay. So you've done this to your sponsor, right? And now it really and it, so it gets real in step four. It gets real real in step eight. Because, you know, so step eight is in the in um the yeah, officially it is made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Okay. So now we got to make a list, but it's not a list about ourselves. It's about a list of how we've not, it's about a list of how we've screwed up socially with other people, typically people that we love, typically people that we see often, typically people that have been very uh, influential and instrumental in our lives, typically people who have done a lot of wrong to Us. And it's like, yeah, I've done a lot of wrong things to them, but you know what? They deserved it. I mean, after what they did to me, of course I did that stuff to them. Any rational person would have done those things to them after what they did to me. And so now you have to start listing a lot of people who, in many ways, are your enemies. It's like, okay, I got this list. I hope I never have to do anything with it. I'm going to burn it. Right. I like, I don't, I don't, you know, so I got this list here. And the big book even talks about, and 12 and 12 talk about, you've got to be careful about this list, that if, you know, a sponsor, is, with a sponsor, in my opinion, but probably most AAs would agree with this, it's the only way you'd be able to figure this out. Because in my opinion, the 12, you know, people like, a, you know, AA is real simple. It's, it's really, like, honestly, to me, it's not. I actually think it's really freaking complicated. And maybe it's just complicated for me. I could see how, you know, maybe other people don't think it's complicated, but definitely for me, it is complicated. I need another person to be like, look, this is what's going on here. This is why we're going to do it. This is how we're going to do that. You can't pick that up in a meeting. You can't pick that up by reading it on your own. I mean, you have to have a sponsor work through this. And that is especially true for step eight. Because, okay, you've listed this stuff. And now in step, you know, so... Step eight for me is list those you've hurt. And then step nine in my version is fix it. And step nine is they direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. And that's where it's like, okay, be careful. Yeah, and I'm gonna so let me
0: just do a little mid-tro uh, announcement here before we go on with step nine. Uh, we'll continue our conversation with Mr. Eric in just a moment. Just a reminder: you are listening to Sober Speak. Uh, you can find us on the internet at soberspeak.com. Like I said earlier, there you can find all the uh, back episodes. We have about 38, 39 or so uh, published episodes already. Uh, you can also find the donate button there on our website, which you can use if the Spirit moves you to do such. Please keep in mind this podcast is funded by you, the listener. Silver Speak is a self supporting organization through our own contributions. We are not allied with any sect, denomination, politics, organization, or institution. We do not wish to engage in any controversy, neither endorse nor oppose. Any
1: causes. All right, now back to Mr. Eric and step nine. Yeah, so on step nine, it it needs to be done the right way because depending upon I mean there's stories in the big book where it's like, okay, well if you make amends to people, I mean the other person might like respond by like trying to kill you, literally. Or the person might, you know, respond by you know turning into the police, or the person might respond to you by you know, suing you for all your worth. And so it's not a question of, do you do it or do you not do it? It's almost more a question of how and why and when, and, and that's different for every person. And so that's where having, you now I was super lucky in that my sponsor has been in AA for like 30 years. And so that's where frankly, frankly, For me, I haven't sponsored anybody, but I don't, I don't, I mean, only being two years in, I would have a real hard time sponsoring somebody. I mean, I raise my hand and mean, yes, I'll sponsor somebody, but I would have a real hard time walking somebody through nine. Uh, I I mean, frankly, all I would do is read the big book and the 12 and 12 and be like, listen, they're smart. We should just do what it (laughs) says in there. Um, But, And again, so so one of the hardest ones I had to do for step nine is when I had to, one of the people on my list was one of my business partners that I started a business with. And I had been very, frankly, just mean to him. And I had been short-tempered and rude and disrespectful. Like, I wouldn't just say on multiple occasions, I would say on like almost every single uh, uh, interaction that I had with him for probably the previous like three or four years. And we would meet more than weekly. And I always in myself, you know, justifying, you know, denial delusional way. I'm like, I'm doing this for the sake of the company and the business because, um, though, like if you, if you need to make a life or death decision, you're going to cut the crap and forget the like niceties and you're going to do what's right to save the person's life or whatever. And again, you're like, oh, well, that's just me, you know, riding in on my white horse, you know, blah, blah, blah. But at the end of the day, that was childish behavior on my part. And it was really my attempt to control too much in a very, um, in a way that was a result of just like the book says, it was a, it was a manifestation of fear. It was a manifestation of ego and I sat down with him uh, in his office, across from him. he's sitting at his desk, I was on the, the chair across from him, and I looked at him, and I literally couldn't like i couldn't open my mouth <laughs> because I felt so stupid <laughs> I felt like such an idiot <laughs> and i'm like i'm like I'm totally wrong with this guy like like the just the self justification was gone, and I was like and I said it, and then I said. And before you, you know, forgive me or not forgive me, what do you have to say? What would you like to say? And he really opened up and he's like, yeah, look, you have been completely disrespectful to me. And, you know, yada, 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 yada. And just like the big book says, he was very merciful at the end. He's like, you know, look, I I appreciate that you've come here and said this. A A lot of people would never do that. Now. I am not going to assume that you're going to change like it's going to, you're going to have to prove that you're going to act better repeatedly over time. And we'll see, which is completely fair, but it was so hard and it was hard with my wife. It was hard. I, I did it with my kids. It was hard with my kids. I'm like, it's going to make me, less of the authority figure in the house if I apologize and make amends to my kids. And what was that? That was dumb. That was my ego coming back. And if anything, uh, over the last couple of years, I think it's showed my kids that they themselves can apologize for being wrong because they've seen me apologize for being wrong. And I was like, Well, that that certainly was not a benefit I was anticipating. (laughs) So (laughs) there you go. The
0: 12 and 12 is a parenting book. So (laughs) you told me something once about a uh, uh, incident, like at a bank, if I'm not mistaken, where you had to kind of go back and uh, eat some humble pie there. Do I remember something like that?
1: Yeah. So, um, about two months ago, my, um, just real quick, my son, uh, who's four was just, you know, tearing up the house, going crazy. And I'd actually made an appointment to go to the bank. And so I'm like, Hey buddy, you're coming with me to the bank. And, um, so what we do is we go to the bank and they've got some, uh, uh we had, uh, submitted a check online, you know, through the app, blah, blah, It was not showing up. It had not shown up for a day, for two days, for three days. And I'm like, and it wasn't a huge check. It's like for a few hundred bucks, but, uh, it kept not showing up. And so I was like, what, co- you know, we've done this for years. And it's always worked. It's always shown up immediately. It did not show up. And the lady gave me some sort of malarkey answer. And then I said, well, listen, we got to talk to your boss about this. So she goes and she leaves the room and she comes back and she said, well, my direct supervisor is not here, but we got to call in to the supervisor center whatever. So we call in and the woman on the phone tells me, she's on speakerphone. So the banker's there, I'm there. And she's like, look, the bank's policy is such that we reserve the right to put any check you deposit on hold for 72 business hours at our discretion to review for fraud. And I said, well, I, you know, I think, I think you're gaming the system. I mean, this, this check was from like one of the largest financial institutions in America. I'm like, I don't, I don't this is, this, this check was not from Bubba. Okay. And so, you know, and so what I did was then I started chewing her out and she's like, well, look, if you want the money directly sent to you right away, then you can just have it wire transferred instead of a check. And so then I w- it was even dumber. Like I said, to him, I'm like, so you mean to tell me that I'm supposed to anticipate when somebody's going to write me a check, know that they're going be, to be from a source that you're going to consider fraudulent. I'm going to tell them to wire the bank, the, the money I'm going to give them the wire instructions and then they're going to wire it. And that's how I can avoid this happening. And I did not use a nice voice when I said that. And, um, so anyway, I finished what I'm doing. was I'm doing, my son is like, hey, I got I to gotta use the potty. And I'm like, you have, you have a potty in the bank? So yeah, but it's in the back. So we go, and use a potty. I'm helping my son pull up his pants in the potty. And I'm like, shoot, I got to make an amend. I I was way out of line there. And so we go back into her office. And I, and I say, I'm like, look, I was wrong. I spoke to you in a mean voice. And I should not have done that. Will you forgive me? And she uh, she said, "Look, I mean, it's completely understandable why you were were frustrated." And I looked at my son and I said, "Hey, it's not okay to speak to people in a mean voice." And the punchline is, he looked at me and he said, "Dad, I already know that." <laughs> so. <laughs> so. My four-year-old son knows, but I do not. So, um, you know, and that's, you know, and guess what? I did that because I didn't want to drink. I didn't do that because I'm some, like, huge, like, moral person, blah, blah, blah. Like, I just did it because, dude, I really don't want to drink. And I will go to any length, right? I'll go to any length. I do not want to drink. And if it involves saying you're sorry to the lady at the bank, I will say, you know, again, I I say it like it's oh it's so easy. Just say you're sorry to the lady at the bank. It's not easy. I felt like a freaking idiot. Um, but I probably gave her a good story. She probably went home to her family. Goes, you never
0: guess what happened today.
1: <laughs> this guy <laughs> flips out,
0: <laughs> comes back. All right, so let's apologize. move on to step ten. There, first of all, the step ten. What it says in okay. the big book, and then your version. Of so. It.
1: Step 10 is, all right, so officially it is continue to take a personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admit it. So step 10 is do it again and again and again in my short term. And the point is, like just like Renee says, you keep forgetting. So it's not like you go through this once and you're done and you're fixed. Like, you got to stay after it. So that, you know, that bank incident was just, look, you got to go over it again and again. And there's different ways to do it. I do it actually, ironically. At night, while I'm putting my son to bed, things are kind of quiet. And so as he's falling asleep or after he's falling asleep, I'm like, I think to myself, I'm like, okay, what did I do today? What did I not do today? Where was I wrong? And again, this is a really funny story. So about a year ago, I had a pretty good day. I'm like, I don't think I was out of line. Like, I don't think I wronged anybody. I actually did a couple things that were right. I had a pretty good day. Okay. Um, uh, my son's asleep. I'm like, okay, I don't think I need to make any amends to anybody. I did good. I go downstairs and my wife chews me out for something. And I immediately turn around and totally lay into her uh, with my words. And it was just childish. And I just flew off the handle and I ended up sleeping on the couch. And like um, I said to myself as I was falling asleep on the couch, I'm like, serves me right for looking through to see if I had done anything wrong and I had said no. And then five minutes later, I do something very wrong. So I said to myself, well, I'm never going to do that again. <laughs> so now, now I don't do it when my son goes to bed. I do it at the very, 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 very end of the day when I am not going to talk or do anything else. And when, when the day is like really done. <laughs> because if, if I don't do it at the very end, there is a possibility that it might happen again. Might happen during the day. So um and that's where two and then it goes into step eleven, and that's just to be like, look, okay. And so this is this is real interesting. So in step eleven. So step eleven officially is sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. So in other words, not my will, but God's will be done. And I have a real hard time with that. Pray and meditate. Like, okay, when I pray, I pray like the Lord's prayer. I play like God is great and God is good. And we thank him for food by his hands. We all are fed. Give us Lord our daily bread. Amen. Okay. I got that one down. I got the Lord's prayer down. I got, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord, my soul to keep, bless me through the starry night and make me when the sun shines bright. Amen. Okay, great. Those three, like, do not like, lightning bolts don't come down and tell me what to do when I say those three things. Okay. So, I, and like, I, you know, saying, i wasn't doing it for me either. So I had a real hard time I'm like how in the world is praying or meditating do it. And so this is where the 12 and 12 really helped me out where I uh, it says do the prayer of St. Francis. And so I'm going to see I'm going to see if I can do this. So ah See this is why. Because here, here we go. Okay. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace that where there is hatred, let me bring love. That where there is wrong, I may bring the spirit of forgiveness, that where there is discord, I may bring harmony. Where there is error, I may bring truth. Where there is doubt, I may bring faith. Where there is despair, I may bring hope. Where there is darkness, I may bring light. And where there is sadness, I may bring joy. Pause. O divine master, grant that I may seek rather to comfort than be comforted, to understand than to be understood, to love than to be loved for it is in self forgetting that one finds, or actually another version says it is in pardoning that one is um, pardoned and it is by giving that we receive and it is in dying that one awakens to eternal life. Amen. And so that's what I say now when I go to sleep because that is is like it's a good like start it's like training wheels it's like prayer and meditation training wheels for me so frankly after two years i do not have this prayer and meditation thing down but i really have felt like that prayer of saint francis in step 11 has you know and it's you know saint francis you know he's, he's a saint in the catholic church it's like you don't have to i mean you don't have to be into all that i mean you could call it the the prayer of Shiva or Vishnu or Buddha or, you know, Allah, what have you. I mean, it is um, universally, it's like in order to be pardoned, you need to pardon. In order to be um, loved, you need to love. Um, you need to, your pride needs to die for you to truly live. And so that's helped. I'm still working on that one, but that has helped. Um, And then step 12 is pass it on. And that's actually not all of step 12, right? Because all of step 12 is um, 9, 10, 11, 12, having had a spiritual awakening. The result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to alcoholics and to practice these principles in all our affairs. So it's really pass it on and then practice it in all of your affairs. That's really what it is. And Um, that's part of the reason that I go to AA meetings. It's part of the reason why I listen. It's part of the reason why I share with you. It's part of the reason why I, I do not do the kind of service work that Bill and Bob did. I don't. And that's a shortcoming on my part and I need to be better at that yeah well i i am so thankful for you john and i'm so thankful for this podcast and i'll just tell you one quick story at the end as i went on a short weekend away for my anniversary with my wife and what at the resort what was everybody doing they were all drinking okay and like you know i'm like i gotta i gotta get to an aa meeting and so i went to your podcast and i listened to david's podcast and dawn's podcast and that was super helpful when i was like i don't think really have a, it wasn't really like a craving but it was just kind of like one of those things like it'd be good for me to go to a meeting now and listening to that podcast was super helpful so john i i want to tell you you have helped me and dawn and david have you guys have already helped me more than you already know
0: Okay, boys and girls, that does it for our episode with Mr. Eric B. Once again, we want to thank Don, C, and Deborah for going to the website, clicking on the donate tab, and submitting a contribution. Your generosity is so appreciated so uh, don't forget we welcome all your thoughts and feedback we would love to hear from you you can email us at feedback at soberspeak.com or you can actually contact me on uh, Twitter it uh, uh, the handle is sober underscore speak and uh, my name once again is John M and I'm going to read from page 164 of the big book here to close us out. By the way, just in case you don't know what the big book is, that is the book Alcoholics Anonymous. Page 164 says, Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to Him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the spirit and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then. See you next time.